print and it is august but this is going to come to you a little bit later i'm here with jackie berg of the hub how are you doing today i'm great how about you everything is everything as i say so it's a lot of people telling different stories throughout what's happening in and around detroit some of the stories are stories that i like some of the stories i don't necessarily like but one thing i do always appreciate about one publication is you get information about what's happening in and around the community and people that are not just living in the community but helping shape some of the new things that are happening what has happened and opportunities that could exist that's the hub that is the hub um we consider ourselves the authentic uh, voice if you will of detroit so when we came into publishing in the market we really wanted um, to elevate, you know, some of the stories of Detroit. So the lesser heard stories and also, you know, the people that um, the residents, longtime residents particularly, that feel somewhat invisible. And so I'm really proud of that because I think we've done a really good job with that and also painted that story in a way that makes it attractive for um, newly arriving residents, but also the longtime residents. And it's really just a celebration of community. All right, so you talk about celebration of community and the stories that it tells. What's the story of the hub? How did you get into this? What led you to it? What made you wake up and say, this is where I'm going and this is what I'm gonna do? Sure, um, so probably two words, uh, Sam Logan. Okay. So, you know, anybody that knows that name and so many Detroiters do, uh, the longtime publisher of the Michigan Chronicle newspaper, lifetime friend, um, who really mentored me, I think, in terms of, um, you know, both my growth and development, but also my understanding of um, issues um, facing the city um, and also the importance of leadership. And so I've spent 25 years uh, on and off um, working for the Michigan Chronicle um, and also other leading publications like the News and Free Press and Black Magazine. Um, so I've had a, a long history in working with the community, working with community groups, but have always felt like there needed to be more of a multicultural focus. So my basis is all about collaboration. So I love working with people, um, and I like figuring out where the intersect is, where everybody can grow together and to move forward. And that really was kind of in the basis, Sam Logan. Mm -hmm. So if you would continue to see Sam grow and develop today, and he passed several years ago, mm -hmm. but really what you would have started to have seen is that he was taking his focus as an African-American publisher and really becoming a community-based publication. Um, and so I really took that to heart. And so I am very multicultural in my thinking. My contacts are multicultural. And I really think that moving forward, we need a multicultural voice in this community because what we want to do is we want to meld and grow together. We don't want to grow further apart. All right. And that is something that could be difficult as this is a very segmented region. Um, race, sex, um, sexual orientation, it's a lot of divisiveness in and around uh, people. Just it's a lot of misunderstandings. Um, how, how have you found it leading a voice for so many different types of communities, so many people of different cultures, lifestyles, um, ethnicities? Um, how have you found that 
idea of bringing them information and putting it all in one place in space. Right. So I think a big part of it, and it's interesting that you say that there's a, a lot of that going on in the divisiveness. And I, I think, yes, there is divisiveness and there is mm -hmm. conflict. But it's also what you pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So I, I think media outlets today, um, for some of us, um, we've lost our mission. Um, and we're paying more attention to the economy and how to pay bills than the responsibility that we have in market. And I think the responsibility that we have in market, um, particularly in our niche in the marketplace, is leadership. So I do see some of that, the conflict and the divisiveness in the community, but I have to say I see a lot more collaboration mm -hmm. and sense of community. So you go into any neighborhood, no matter how wealthy or you know how devoid of um, infrastructure um, there is in that community, you will see and feel a very palatable sense of community. Now, in some cases, there are you know there are troubles, absolutely, mm -hmm. but there's usually at least one person on almost any city block that's holding that whole thing together, um, near single-handedly, and that's the thing that always strikes me, and that I love to pay attention to, and I and I love that we're able to tell that story in a way that really differentiates Detroit, because if you think about it. When people think of Detroit culture and they want to emulate Detroit culture because we're trendsetters, you know, particularly in the suburbs, so you kind of get that look-alike environment that doesn't feel quite the same. And the reason that it doesn't feel quite the same is it doesn't have that same history and genuineness to it. And so that's really what we're showcasing is, you know, helping residents to celebrate themselves helping you know everybody to celebrate the small steps because it's the small steps that ultimately get you to where you want to go you know in the community and then also paying attention to the big box things that give everybody hope you know that there is development coming into the community but quite frankly you know what helps that development to come is those very neighborhood you know oriented issues and activities and that person that is holding things together until those infrastructure dollars you know come and quite frankly they're the one that is the historian if you will of the neighborhood you know whether they're new you know bucky willis might be an example of that mm -hmm. you know just a, a wonderful person that really it's, I think, reflective of the fabric of Detroit and really embraces, you know, the culture and is, is kind of like that new, um, I think, leader, uh, albeit, if you will, a block club leader that's coming up and kind of reinventing what city life, you know, looks like in Detroit. Okay. So with that being said, your past, your history, what led you into journalism? What led you into publication? What, what was the spark? Um, I think asking the question. So I came from a very corporate background. Um, mm -hmm. So I was an operations manager with 7-Eleven stores. Mm -hmm. I was responsible for about $34 million in business um, and thousands of employees uh, within Southeast Michigan. And then on a national perspective, um, led national urban affairs for the company in addition to government relations and a few other things. So I really grew within the 7-Eleven culture. Um, but in my late 20s, um, I, I think that I was ready um, to make a shift, um, and I was really passionate in looking at the intersection between government affairs, which, you know, basically looks at problems and how do you um, resolve problems, how do you legislate, you know, to improve um, situations, to the reality of the community, which, like you were saying, there is sometimes this disconnect, and I really found 
that the media environment provides you a great opportunity not only to ask the questions but sometimes to answer them as well so I think that's how I kind of got hooked is I, I love looking at um, you know challenges and then seeing how um, I can impact um, and elevate leadership to help to resolve issues okay now that's a heck of a shift in the sense of from going from something that people would look at and say wow you know you have this corporate career uh, you're gonna head right to the top of fortune 500s climbing that ladder and then it's like all right I'm going to shift towards helping facilitate the stories of these different people that need to be told and how systems can come together to help these people what was the response like from your family members when you announced to them one Thanksgiving or one Christmas or whatever it was that like all right I'm about to shift into this you know I, I think the family maybe wasn't as surprised as the community was if you will huh. so you know from a corporate perspective perspective people thought I was crazy yeah because I, I can only imagine that. right but your you know why would you leave you know such a great mm -hmm. gig you know with so much growth potential and I was growing very quickly within the company mm -hmm. um, to do something that was so much more risk-based than something that seemed like it was out of my wheelhouse but really if you look at my background I've, I've always been all about you know culturally um, change um, and I think particularly even within the corporate environment that I was in, I was able to be a change agent and to be more grassroots. And so, you know, one of the things that I found about myself is I'm really good on building businesses and developing and growing companies. I've helped others to launch their own successful ventures. I've done a few of my own. But what I found is they get to a certain point in the process and they're almost too big. And to me, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's great things about big companies, but they just require a different level of management and oversight. And what I discovered about myself is that I really like to build and to develop things. And so this type of product lends itself you know to that process because there's lots to do here in Detroit mm -hmm. I mean I think I could still work you know up until um, you know the point that I'm able to pass on the business or I die there mm -hmm. are still going to be a great many challenges in, in the city but you know it does allow you that opportunity to kind of put your hands on it and really um, be very high touch about the way that you develop the market and then also um, evolve wonderful relationships along the way and make great introductions so you talk about the relationships and the people that you work with. Um, you work with a lot of different writers, um, even as uh, we interact, we've done things. Um, what's, what's your ability, like what's your take towards networking with people? And because you've traveled nationally, right? what's different about the Detroit culture networking here than some of the other places you've been? Well, you know, definitely I think, it, and it, it kind of speaks to the neighborhoods as well, um, that there's just a warmth um, that is almost indescribable um, in the city of Detroit, a genuineness. You know, some might call it a nitty-grittiness, but I don't know that I necessarily characterize it like that. But there are big personalities and wonderful ideas and the sense of enthusiasm and resilience that you don't always see in some other environments. So, you know, I definitely like that part of it. I think also, um, going back to that spirit of collaboration, um, there is that you know in the city and again despite the fact that you know a lot of media reports would have you you know believe otherwise I think 
to a degree, there still is that want of mm -hmm. you know wanting to partner and work things out and bring things forward. Um, I think historically, however, we've had some challenges with actually learning that you know conflict you know creates action, and we have to be really careful with that. I think particularly here in Detroit because you don't always want to just spark a conflict to to bring things forward. Um, we want to begin those conversations with, with collaboration and, and have them end well. And so that's part of what I, I think that, that leadership role is all about. So part of the way that I've evolved as a, as a business owner, as a, as a person, as a professional, um, I was trained um, to be a great competitor. Um, and a part of that was corporate, and it was kind of the environment at the time. So you would size up your competition and then figure out how to squash them. Um, and since that point in time, I've really evolved and I've changed a lot. So now when I walk into a room, um, I, I look around and I see people that are better than I am. I see people that are bigger than I am, that have broader ideas. And I want to know, you know, who they are. And then I want to figure out, you know, can we go someplace together? And so I think that's been kind of a part of our model. It's been a part of the way that I manage our business. So, you know, we're a team-oriented business. We have a lot of dialogue. You know, sometimes there are conflicts about the way that we cover a story or the way that we look at different issues. But quite frankly, when you have that more honest dialogue and everybody feels safe in that process, the end of the process always results in a better product, whether it be a collaboration with somebody like yourself and looking at, okay, you've got a great product, we've got a great product, you know, mm -hmm. what can we do together? Um, or if it's, you know, a, a reporter that's looking at an issue that there might be some divergent, you know, uh, viewpoints on how you can, you know, meld that, that story through, there is that, you know, kind of messy conversation that ends up with everybody looking at things differently and then because of that process becoming better and I think you know particularly with collaborations if we see more of those in Detroit I, I just think that we would be an amazing place you know to to work live and play and and we are seeing more of those but I think maybe not as many as as I would like to see all right so you talk about the collaboration and the team giving a platform to tell these stories right give me some stories about things that you've been surprised or amazed or just humbled by as you interact with the community and people come up to you and tell you about their response to the hub from seeing their brother, their sister, their mom, their dad, just the people they know in it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think being recognized, and this isn't our moniker, it's, it's the moniker that was really given to us. So initially, you know, when we started the publication, people almost immediately began to call, you know, and, and um, call us out as the authentic, you know, voice of Detroit. And I thought that that was really interesting um, because I was a relative newcomer despite the 25-year history here in the community. Um, the hub was new to the community, and yet you had this, you know, long-standing, you know, um, group of citizenry that really felt like, you know what, of all the publications that are out there, you really reflect, you know, what it is that people are thinking and talking about and being very responsible about the way, you know, that you get into those stories. So, you know, that's number one. 
Um, I think number two, even for myself, we've been recently, we made the decision and, and invested in a project that we call The Map, which is part of Live Love Detroit. Um, and we are essentially mapping out um, developments um, that are occurring that are neighborhood specific. And so we're actually putting a pin in the map and saying, okay, here's where this neighborhood development is happening. Here's how many dollars are being invested and, and here's who invo is involved. And reaching further now to um, take that a couple steps deeper to look at the minority contractor involvement and then also the affordable housing component. So with that, you know, the big surprise, I think, for many and a lot of applause is that, you know, wow, why didn't somebody do this sooner? And oh my God, a small organization like The Hub has stepped up in leadership and put that out there. And so, you know, I think that there's a sense of accomplishment um, and there's also a realization, and this is where my surprise was, um, because I knew development was happening in the neighborhoods, but we looked um, most recently at District 5 and uncovered about a half billion dollars in neighborhood investments, neighborhood specific investments, and almost 40% of those um, new residential developments, including affordable housing, to now moving over to District 2, where we've uh, identified about $78 million in investment. But if it, you include the state fair um, project, that would be $1 billion, um, you know, over a $1 billion, um, plus that $78 million. So those are sizable investments that are happening that, you know, just aren't as well publicized. And until you start to connect the dots, you really don't understand the impact. And so, you know, I'm really proud that we're helping to pinpoint that, helping, you know, people to feel better, you know, about what's happening in neighborhoods and to see that there's investment going on, but then also to pay attention to where that investment is not happening. Um, and to focus on the smaller acts like I was referencing earlier of that you know one person you know in the neighborhood or those couple people you know that are really shoring up the neighborhood you know waiting um, you know for those investment dollars to come and in some cases becoming really creative and bringing it in themselves and so you know I think in the next steps of what you're going to continue to see in the hub is we're going to be paying more attention to that because I think those are really innovative strategies. Um, I like that spirit of, you know, pioneerism, if you will, and longtime residents taking hold of the opportunities as opposed to just uh, applauding the new investments and the new arrivals in their community. Because again, if you think about the culture of the city and also the strength of the city, it still goes back to those longtime residents that have been here forever, are never going to leave, and never lost hope um, in what the next Detroit's going to be. All right. And we're going to table this. We're going to definitely come back. Jack, Jackie has a lot of information, but we're going to still get into my classic Detroit is different questions that I love to do with every podcast. So first, Detroit is different question. What was the very first car you owned? What year was the model and what year did you get it and where was the very first place you drove when you got it oh my goodness um i think it was a laser okay i'm not familiar with what a laser is i think it, it i think it was a chrysler um okay. it was a laser and i remember the color because it was royal blue and i loved that color i okay. love that car it was a little bit sporty 
Um, and I don't remember the first place that I drove. Don't remember the first place? Okay, no. what's the first place you remember driving to with your wheels? You know, so I was at Oakland University, a student at the time, um, and so it was probably something related to family, um, because Oakland University at that point in time, the community hadn't really grown around it, so it was uh -huh. really more of a commuter school, it was a little bit more remote, and I used to say that I was one of ten students living on campus, but that's not true, but it, it, was, it was a very small student uh, environment that was living in on-campus housing at the time. Okay. So All car right. was freedom. Let me just say that. It was it was definitely freedom. Okay. Um second question. Uh, alien. I'm 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 uh, Marvin the Martian or, or Martha the Martian or some Martian. <laughs> and I and I asked you take me to the most Detroit place you know of. Where do you take them? Oh my goodness, gosh, there's so many. Um, you know, one of my daytime haunts that, you know, I just love is the Eastern Market, always have. Okay. I've been, you know, a customer there for decades, um, brought many people in. Kind of the quintessential, you know, Detroit experience that I think so many relate to even outside of the city, the Thanksgiving Day Parade. So I'm kind of proud that I brought in, you know, a, a whole probably 40 regular parade goers as a result of my single-handed passion, you know, about that particular event. You know, Burt's Marketplace, um, Demongo's, um, the Sugar House. Um, a, he'll be a he'll be a, a full day of activity. Yes. Or she'll be, or I don't know if if what genders aliens have per se, but alien will do a lot of stuff there. Yeah. All right, and last question: If you could rename Woodward after one person. Who would it be? And oh, why? my. And one Detroit. You know, just based on the personal experience, it probably would be Sam Logan. I, I think that he made an incredible difference um, in this community. Um, he brought together some really diverse voices um, and showcased that there could be collaboration. Um, and I think, you know, he had a vision. Um, Neil Shine also reminded me very much of that. I think those were two people you know, that I really admired, you know, what they did in the community and to a degree who also helped, Neil also helped, you know, to, to mentor me um, and my leadership in the community. And so I look back on that and I, I would definitely say that I would like to see him, you know, get more credit, you know, for what he did here in the city of Detroit. Okay. And now if people want to get in contact with you, if they want to find out more about the hub, what should they do? So they can email me at Jackie at thehubdetroit.com. They can visit our website, which is thehubdetroit.com. So my email is Jackie at thehubdetroit.com, email. Um, and then the website, of course, thehubdetroit.com. Um, or you can just search in social media. We're very easy to reach. Mm -hmm. um, our staff, our entire staff is very approachable. Um, and we have a, now a digital weekly um, that you can sign up to receive in addition to our monthly print edition that reaches 35,000 uh, city-specific residents at news, free newsstands, by the way. So it's not a paid publication at free newsstands throughout the city. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And you should definitely be able to, if you're in and around the city of Detroit, uh, most gas stations, uh, party stores, a lot of places that are like just retail outlets. Uh, Eastern Market has a lot of them. You should be able to find a hub. Exactly. That's the hope. Yep. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, that was good.